The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. and I'm your host, Peter Tung. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm quietly chuckling away to myself here because uh, I'm realizing more and more that the universe is, is planning all of this uh, with little tools, <laughs> little puppets that go around doing our job. And, and uh, when I set up this interview with Sherry Richards, who's written this superb book called Dancing with Your Dragon. I had no awareness in my consciousness that this very week we were moving into the year of the dragon. So what we've managed to do unconsciously uh, <laughs> is to bring together Dancing with Your Dragon and the year of the dragon, which is really, really significant. And I'll just explain very quickly why it is. Um, and then, you, then we can allow Sherry to explain to us the really important and significant aspect of her book and this work. Because Dancing with Your Dragon has all the information inside it to help you fully realize where you are on your path and how to reach that place of connection with spirit and into the flow with the universe. In our Landscape Zodiac work, in Scorpio, we talked about going into the shadow side, keeping your eye on the eagle, remembering that you were coming out the other side, but going into those dark places within, finding your dragons within, and clearing that energy and healing ourselves. What I've realized is that the first few days of Aquarius, where we are right now, the water carrier takes us back into that underworld because we can't rise from the ashes. The phoenix is the uh, transcended symbol of Aquarius. We can't rise from the ashes of the phoenix until we've gone back into the shadow side to clear, create the ashes, so that we can rise from them. If you don't create ashes, you can't rise. So the first thing we have to do is recheck into our shadow side, into our dragon self. Now, what's really interesting is anything that happened in Scorpio, anything that came up for you in Scorpio, that's late October, uh, early November, that you didn't resolve then is going to come up again now because this is the next opportunity for clearing the shadow from a, the bigger astrological perspective. So just pay attention in your life what's happening right now and think back if there's a similar pattern recurring from October, November. And if there is, there's obviously a piece of you that needs some healing. And the good news is that Sherry's here to explain to us how that can be done. So yeah. Sherry, that's quite a long introduction, but welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Peter. I'm so thrilled to be here. 
so uh, the book is a, is a wonderful book and it's, a, and it's a, an experiential book so it creates the opportunity for understanding and then to work with the book to, to help you through your experiential transformation but first of all tell us uh, about the title why, why Dancing with Your Dragon? Well, it actually started for me when I was over in England and uh, I was doing a training at, on crystals at uh, Orisoma International over there, which is a color healing system, which is quite an amazing, powerful system with 107 bottles of all different colors. And you're able to uh, tune into the bottles and choose the ones that are in alignment with you and get a reading on yourself. And they're magical beings um, that help you heal in and of themselves. Anyway, I'm also a drummer, and we were doing all of this magical healing stuff, and uh, Mike Booth, who's the head of it all, you know, said, here, take the drum, Sherry, and start to drum. And then he said, it's time to wake up the dragon. And so I'm drumming away, and everyone's doing all kinds of sounding, and there's crystals and bowls sounding, and all of these uh, magical energies are happening. And all the time I'm wondering, what does that mean, wake up the dragon? What does that mean as the, the drum is pounding? So I came home from that experience, and I began to look into the symbol of the dragon. And I discovered that the dragon is related to earth energy, that oftentimes in the Western tradition especially, there's a lot of, um, you know, call to go and slay your dragon, and the dragon is associated with the devil, and, and of course the dragon uh, is associated with red, and that's all the material world. And somewhere along the line, the spiritual world and the material world got all separated. This happened in, you know, in the Western tradition, and we came to think of our bodies as bad. We came to somehow think of our emotions as bad. The feminine also related to the dragon, the serpent and the snake and the dragon. They're all interchangeable in, in fairy tales and in myths and, of course, Eve and, and the dragon. And so, um, so I began to really look into that and to go into my own body and to begin to reclaim this sort of lost part of myself that got pushed away, and it included within that the shadow side, all of the things that we were told were wrong or bad about us, or that's not spiritual, or you can't have your anger, or you're not allowed your feelings, all of these different things. Because in my life, I was uh, on a spiritual path from the time I can remember, it was more traditional in my youth. I was raised Jewish, and uh, I, I really did a lot of seeking along those lines until my parents kind of said to me they weren't going to go along with it, and that didn't make too much sense to me why I should follow these practices if they weren't going to follow them when I was eight years old. So I said, well, eh, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then later my mother took off and went to India and set off on the eastern path, and I actually did that even before she did. And um, so always spiritual but yet judging myself for the parts of myself that weren't spiritual. And I'll tell you, that judging piece does not work. <laughs> Why don't we talk about that straight away, talk about judgment? Well, no, let's, let's actually talk a bit more first about what the actual dragon is from your perspective. So from my perspective, the dragon in and of itself is power. It's life force, it's energy, it's our, you could say, the earthly portion of our power. And because we have physical bodies, a lot of us is earthly you know obviously we're spirit first and we come into these bodies and inhabit them but as long as we're on earth we're inhabiting these bodies we're using them to uh to bring forth our life purpose and to live that out and to help the earth transform and help ourselves transform so we're earthly so the dragon to me is power and power in and of itself is not good or bad 
It's how we use the power that makes it helpful or harmful in my perspective. Just like I like to use electricity as a metaphor. Electricity is a wonderful tool, you know. We turn on our light switch and the light comes on and we're able to read or or do our creative work or whatever we want to do with that light. That's so wonderful. But if we don't wire things properly and it starts a fire, that's real dangerous. It's the same with our personal power. And so for me, what I try to unfold to people in the book and help them understand about themselves is to start to become conscious of their personal power and how are they using it. And each of us have powers that are definitely ours and that we can claim and that we use on a daily basis. And, and we may have other powers that we came to develop or want to develop. But the, the trick is to start to become conscious right here, right now. How am I using my personal power? To what end? What are my motives? Yes, what are our motives? That's really <laughs> having our agendas. Yeah. And uh, and so every day as we get up and, you know, obviously we have, most of us, uh, a desire to make some money because we need it right now the way the planet is, um, unless we, you know, we're going to go to the spiritual tradition of India and become beggars, but that doesn't work too well in this society. We're Western people, and so we have to find ways um, to make a living. And how can we bring that piece of making a living in alignment with our own integrity as people who are on a spiritual path and and want to um, walk away that's not about, you know, lying or cheating or misleading or, you know, being hyped up salespeople, all of that. In fact, that's some of what you do too, Peter, isn't that how you help people in the business world? I think I, yeah, yeah, I read about that. So that's one way to monitor your dragon. But just all day long, I have a little tool in my book that I call the dragonometer. And the dragonometer is just a device I created that, that helps you to become more aware, just to notice. Because we were getting ready to talk about the judge, and uh, the judge has its own sort of, un- most of this stuff with the judge is happening unconsciously until you become more aware, using your dragonometer to, to become aware. And the judge is judging you for uh, things that it thinks are wrong, actions you may take or um, some way you might look or something you might say. Whatever it thinks is wrong, it may judge you, and then it starts to beat up on you. It beats up on the dragon. And in my work, when I was diving inside of my own shadow world to discover what was going on in there, what I really found is the dragon is very similar to my little child inside. I thought it was a big, scary... frightening creature down there but i got in there and it's like whoa this is just a little girl and she doesn't know any better and i've got this creepy judge that's beaten up on her all the time and telling her how bad she is and she's just a little human girl that has needs and desires and wants and she wants to be loved and special and pretty and and appreciated and you know rewarded and all of those things so where did this uh, this inner critic this judge come from in the first place I feel that the judge comes from a variety of places. It comes from your parental upbringing. It comes from your religious training. It comes from your peers when you're young. As I understand it, we don't begin to develop our own critical thinking mind until about age seven. So before that, from you know the time you're born until around seven, you're just looking outside yourself to try to determine, okay, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to live? What's right? What's wrong? What am I supposed to look like? How are people going to like me? You know, how am I going to fit in? 
all of these kinds of things. And, you know, different people approach that differently. Some are, you know, pleasers. I think I probably was a little more in the pleaser category, wanting to be approved of and accepted and all that. Some are rebels and, you know, they, they could care less. But usually those are at some level opposite ends of the same pole. You know, you can go really far to the rebel side and say you don't ever really care or need anybody. But if you scratch a little bit below that, you'll probably find the one that really does want approval, at least from one special person. So, um, so the judge comes forth in that way through our conditioning is the psychological term for it, which is sometimes difficult. I heard that word for years without knowing what it meant, but that's kind of what it means. We're conditioned in a certain way to have beliefs about life that may or may not be true. They're true according to maybe our parents or our religion, but maybe in a totally different society it's not true. And so does that make it the truth, not the ultimate truth? The ultimate truth comes from the divine, and in my experience, it's discerned in the moment. And on, on the earth plane, where life is dual, that truth, can, that truth can change its expression moment to moment here. It's ultimately just one truth, but uh, depending on what a situation calls for, when you're tuned in, one, one day you might respond one way, and the next day you might respond differently depending on what you perceive. It's interesting, Sherry, that you mention, uh, you mention the word conditioning and now you really understand what that means. Well, I, I'm realizing that as, as this journey is unfolding for me that, that I had an intellectual understanding of certain expressions and words um, on my journey, but now I'm beginning to understand there's a, there's a whole new level of a, a deeper awareness that we need to go to to not just have a mental understanding but actually to embrace a full understanding of what, what not only what this word or this concept means but how it impacts us on a deeper level of being so i'm going to ask you to talk about that when we return we've actually reached our first break very quickly this is peter tongue for awakening to conscious co-creation be extraordinary seventh wave network Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. The new home for visionary positive change. 7th Wave Network. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just want to remind you to go to my website, www.petertung.com and have a look at all of the different 
aspects of the work that we are doing, as well as www.myheartcenteredjourney.com and the Ambassadors of Light class that you will find there. So, Sherry, just before the break, you'd started to talk a little bit about the Dragonometer, and we didn't really explain or get you to explain how people work with that. So can you do that for us now? Yeah, absolutely. So the Dragonometer is really a device that I created that helps you see what's happening inside your being in this very moment. It's stop, notice, be aware. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Where is your body? What position is your body in? What's happening with your breath? It's an awareness device. And I call it a meter, I call it a dragonometer, like a speedometer or an electric meter, because it's, a, it's completely objective. There's no judgment in it. So in other words, when you're speeding down the highway at 100 miles an hour, your speedometer does not tell you, slow down, you're going too fast, this is wrong, this is wrong, you're going to get a ticket. It, it doesn't say anything. It just says you're going 100 miles an hour. And then you get to decide, oh, maybe I want to slow down or maybe I want to go faster. You know, it's really up to you. So the dragonometer is like that. It's a device to just help you stop and notice. Get conscious. What are you doing? Where are you right now? Where are your thoughts? Where are your feelings? Where is your body? This is where your power is. It's in the moment. And if you're unconscious about your thoughts, your feelings, your motivations, the reason why you're doing what you're doing, when you're unconscious, the dragon just takes over. You are not dancing with your dragon, your dragon is dancing you or running your life, you could even say. So the dragonometer is just a way to help you become more aware. And like we mentioned earlier, it's really important to become conscious of the judge that's there too. If the dragon dragonometer, uh, if you turn it on and you happen to notice, okay, I, um, I'm lusting after this person, uh, you know, sexually and then some other thought comes in and starts judging that, oh my God, you're lusting after this person, that's really bad, that's not spiritual, then you just want to be aware of the whole thing. You're aware of the lust, you're aware of the judge, you're the awareness. And when you just detach from the lust and the judge, the whole thing just kind of dissipates. It just moves on. And then you can get back to the moment and back to the focus and you know, decide how you want to move forward with your energy, what you want to focus on, where you want your attention to be. And that leads me nicely into your magical mirror or the magic mirror, which is... <laughs> yeah, the magic mirror is another wonderful tool for waking up. And I've used this for many, 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 many years. It helps you because a lot of times if you're on a spiritual journey, people don't know, well, what, what should I be working on? What, how, should, how do I grow? What do I do now if you're like a doer type, which I've always tended to be? Um, the magic mirror tells you just by allowing you to notice where your thoughts are. What are you thinking about? And um, so if you're, you're walking down the street, like I, I use the example with lusting after someone, let's say one of the examples I use in my book is um, you're driving down the street and uh, you notice a beautiful woman that's jogging and she's got a lovely body and she is, uh, you know, scantily clad and, and if you're a guy, maybe you're lusting after her, you can wake up to that. Or maybe if you're a girl, you're going wow, I wish I had a body like that, or my body will never look like that, or I hate her because her body's like that, or, well, her body's not so great after all. I mean, look at there, there's a little flaw there. All these things might happen in your head uh, when you see this person. And so that is the magic mirror. That shows you when you wake up to it where your thoughts are, what you're concentrating on, what's disturbing you, what's going on in your own being that you might want to pay attention to and uh, find a way to clear or let go of or come to terms with. 
And so you can just, when you use your dragonometer to wake up to your own thoughts, you can then track back the thought into probably a feeling somewhere inside where there may be a wound or something that's out of sorts that um, needs attention. And it can also just be a quick, oh, wow, that's a pretty girl jogging, that's great, and you're back to wherever you are. It's where you get caught that you want to pay attention, where the energy starts going, and you find yourself chewing on it for a while. Those those are the energies you want to look at. So that's when the emotional charge comes in. Yes, exactly. So let's talk about that a little bit, because that's the key, isn't it, to this moment? Yes, exactly. And, you know, one of the tools that I use to help clear that charge, and it's so simple. The way that you do it is you, let's say you're having problems with someone in your life. You're charged about a relationship situation or somebody at work or some person that's just bugging you. What you do is you take a moment and just use two or three words to describe that person. Maybe, you know, and it doesn't have to define their whole being, but just describe the the person as they're bugging you. And maybe it's controlling and nasty. And so then take a moment and scan your own body for those same energies, controlling and nasty. And you'll find them in there. We all have everything within us. Jung said that, and I have found that to be true. We have all the lovely things, and we have all the icky things. They're all kind of mixed up together, and, and you can find it if you look. It's in the collective. And so if you look into your body, you can look, you can feel, you can sense. Just scan up and down until something goes ding, and you notice, okay, there it is, controlling and nasty. And then when you get to it, you just breathe into it, and you allow it. You just give it permission. Okay, controlling and nasty is there. Okay, that's fine. It's there. And as soon as you give it permission to be, there's something magical about this permission. That is what I call unconditional love. It's like, it's okay. And then the fight drops out of it, and the love comes pouring in. You can let it go, and a shift happens. And that person may not change in the outer world at all, but as soon as you allow the change inside yourself, your relationship with that person will change. Either they'll leave your life or they won't bother you anymore or they'll be controlling and nasty to someone else but not to you. It'll change. It's just really, truly magic, which is why I call it the magic mirror. And it also connects you with the transformative power of the heart, which is just one of the most deliciously divine energies that exist, in my opinion. I just love that. I'm just chuckling again here, Sherry, because that's exactly what we do. When I, I work with people with uh, terminal cancer quite uh, frequently, and that's exactly what we do, because most people fight cancer. Yes. We actually give permission to the cancer cells for existing because they've come to give us a message that we need to understand. Mm. And then you take the fight out of it and you allow them to return back to the healed state. Mm, so in fact, in some ways, I guess the cancer is a form of dragon, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And that, that is so beautiful. That's always been uh, something that I've always wanted to work with too is, is the cancer state with people because there was so much of it in my own family. And uh, that's totally what I feel needs to happen is to just allow it love it find out uh if it's something that's out of control in your body you know how do you be present to that and exactly. yeah. and allow it to come back into alignment 
So that's beautiful, that work. On, I look forward to learning more about that from you, Peter. <laughs> so let's return to uh, the child that you mentioned, that when you go inside to the dragon and you actually find the, the child within, and, and that's a really important step, first of all, recognizing that there's a child there. And then how do we embrace that child? How do we work with that child to resolve whatever the issues are that we need to work with? Yeah. So often what happens, especially people who are, you know, having challenging emotional uh, situations in their life, is that there is this child that's longing for attention. And for me personally, what I discovered about myself was that I was constantly looking out in the world to try to find that attention, the approval, the recognition. And, you know, I've been in sort of uh, media and acting, all kinds of public kinds of um, professions for much of my life. So I was getting attention from a lot of places, but it was never enough. It's like, okay, well, that person thinks I'm really great, but I want this person over here to think I'm really great, or I want to get recognized by the New York Times, not just, not just a local magazine or that kind of a thing. And it was so, created so much suffering for me. And finally, I realized what I was doing, that I was looking out. That's what I call horizontal alignment. And what what allowed me to begin this healing transformation and this connection with, with the divine was to begin to look in, to create what I call a vertical alignment. And when I looked in, I found the little child. Just by going down inside, you might see a little child. You might just feel. For me, I'm, I'm a feeler. I felt that little crying child in there. You might know the little child is there. You might hear the little child. However you experience it, it's taking the time to go inside I find it inside the body and connect with that. And for me, it was just giving her what, what she needed. Oh, you want to be told that you're, you're talented and beautiful? Well, guess what? I think you're talented and beautiful. And she's like, really? Yeah, really. I really think you're great. And she's like, oh. And then she gets, she gets happy, and then I relax. <laughs> and then, you know, then the pressure is off, and then the divine can also begin to come through me. And actually, when I first started, it wasn't even really me, uh, me, the adult kind of Sherry person. It was more me getting out of the way and allowing the actual energy of the divine to come down into my body and begin to embrace this part of myself. And that really started my dragon dancing, really began awakening my energy and began to lift me to higher states of consciousness. By um, So that's pretty mystical but you know that's the process of opening the crown chakra <laughs> well, we'll, move, and... we'll move on to the dance uh, after the next break but just um one final piece i wanted to mention mention about the dragon itself was um the abuse of power particularly in relationships talk about that a little bit uh in relationships yes there's one wonderful thing that i uh learned my mother actually had a mystery school and there's a whole story in my book about me and my mother which you know, is complicated we may not go into that but one thing that I learned in her mystery school was uh, what I end up in my work calling the uh, dragon's tail. And the dragon's tail, T-A-I-L, is something that we run around. There are three points, like a triangle. It's a drama triangle. And when you get into a relationship issue with someone, typically you play one of three roles. You can play the victim, the child victim. You can play the fixer-rescuer or you can play the blamer controller. 
and uh, and we switch between these parts over and over and over again. And when you're running around this dragon's tail, the drama never changes. It just goes on and on and on. The only way off the dragon's tail is up, to lift up from like, this all happens probably around the second chakra, second and third chakras, I would say. You lift yourself up more into the heart, into the state of unconditional love. So let me see if I could do a little... Um, dragon drama for you here well, actually, Shari, you know, we're, we're coming up to our next break so you oh, have okay. a little think about that <laughs> we can uh, come back to an actual uh, dragon drama situation uh, when we return uh, after this break this is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Listening on a Higher Dimension, 7th Wave Network. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tong. Having a great discussion today with Shari Richards who has written a very, very good book called The Dancing with Your Dragon, The Art of Loving Your Unlovable Self, which contains all the answers for you to clear out all of your gunk and move on to a magical, mystical, spiritual path. So, Sherry, uh, could you just let our listeners know how they can uh, connect with you, get the book and, and your own work? Yes, that would be lovely. Thanks, Peter. Uh, it's easy. Dancingwithyourdragon.com. That's my website, dancingwithyourdragon.com. And uh, you'll find there that you can go to the products and services page and, um, and buy the book. And I want to make a special offer for your guests today, Peter. If you buy the book, it's thirteen ninety five on my website. And put that into the basket. And then also put all of my audios into the basket. And then put the coupon code PETER into the coupon code box, you'll get all of my audios for free, which is a, a nice thing. There's also there's a couple of guided meditations, one on meeting your inner child and one called The Vessel of Light. And then there's a musical fairy tale that I wrote called Marissa and Merlot in a Musical Fairy Tale, which is a lot of this same journey encoded in fairy tale uh, form. So your listeners will appreciate that. It's dancingwithyourdragon.com. 
Fantastic. That's great. Thanks yeah. for the special offer. I really appreciate that. Sure. Don't forget the special code. You can't forget it, Peter. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> so give us uh, your um, example of a dragon's tail drama. Yes, a dragon, a dragon drama. Okay. So, uh, so imagine you're, this is the wife. She's home, and she's prepared a beautiful dinner, and the husband, who has a tendency to the glade, has not come home yet for, uh, for dinner, and he doesn't call. So it's like he walks in the door finally. It's like two hours late. And she's like, where have you been? You didn't call. You knew I was making a special dinner for you tonight, and, and you're, you're not here. You're never here. And he looks at her. He's like, he's like I, had, I had a flat tire. Well, why didn't you call me? You could have called. You have a cell phone. I was out of range. I couldn't call because I had a flat tire out on Petersville Road. You know there's no service out there. And um, and it was cold and it was wet and, and I, it took me two hours to change the tire. And, you know, now I'm home. Oh, well, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry I yelled at you. Just get away from me. You're always yelling at me. Just get away from me, okay? I don't even want to talk to you. Okay, fine. I'm not going to feed you dinner yet then. I'm just going to... Walk away and take your dinner and throw it down the garbage disposal. Okay, great. Well, I'm just leaving then. See you later. And he walks out and slams the door. So you can maybe get a sense of that kind of thing, that kind of scene taking place in relationships. I know it uh, used to take place in my relationships years ago. Did you ever have anything like that oh, in yeah. your life, Peter? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And so there were three points in that little drama that I was attempting to play out there. One is the victim, which is, you want to poor me, poor me, you never, you're, don't, you're not. And the other is the blamer, which is kind of the opposite of the victim, which is, you always, you're, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. And then the fixer-rescuer, which we tend to think is like heartful and caring and loving, when it's trying to get something for itself, it's like, oh, I'm really sorry. You know, it really is wanting something that's the key about whether it's a it's a true heart connection or it's a rescue or whether there's a motive to get something if it's a motive to get something and it comes in there to try to rescue the victim the victim is going to turn into a persecutor and push it away and so that's kind of how the dragon drama works and it takes a while to begin to notice that you're doing it but once you do really pay attention and start to see the energy and begin to recognize the energy, you can stop yourself and you can begin to lift into just a state of quiet, listening, taking in the other person's energy rather than defending it and pushing it off. If you just take it in, that's the acceptance again. If you allow them to be there, oh, you had a flat tire, okay. And you just sit with it. Yeah, and it was really hard. I had a flat tire and it was really cold and... And I'm starving now. It's like, okay, well, okay, well, here's some dinner. Then the whole thing can be diffused. So it's a matter of stopping, recognizing, okay, I'm about to jump on the dragon's tail, and I don't want to do that. And then eventually it changes. And I can tell you in my life with my husband, we've been married nine years now. We rarely, rarely, rarely ever get into anything. And in previous incarnations of relationships with other people, I was in dragon drama a lot. So I can tell you that this does work. If you so even if it. the other person is actually engaging in the drama by responding differently, you can diffuse that drama. You can diffuse it once you know your piece, once you recognize how you play the game, 
You can stop yourself from playing. You can see that they're playing, but it's not if you try to detach. Like one of the the tricks that I'm I'm going to say, guys, but that may be stereotypical. But people who don't want to engage in emotional stuff, one of the things they tend to try to do is to just um, detach. You know that it's almost an Aquarian detachment. I'm not going to go into. I'm not going to go down there and do that drama thing with you. That's just going to make your partner nuts. If they're an emotional person and you've attracted them into your life because you're not, but you're supposed to learn to be, and you do that detachment thing, they're going to go crazy. What you, what you want to do is you want to get into your heart, which is the key to the emotional realm. It's the key to feeling, but it brings presence, and they feel accepted. They feel recognized. They feel you're there, and then they'll relax, and then they can transform. And drop it because they they know you're really there. You can love them. You care, and that's the whole point of being in a relationship with someone is to care, you know. And again, it goes back to you mentioning earlier at moving up from the sacral and solar plexus up into the heart. Yes, exactly. It's that presence all happens in the heart. It happens in the heart. uh, Let's talk now about the dance. I mean, we already are in a way, aren't we? But just, uh, <laughs> it was very challenging to write this book because of the way it's so intertwined. But I did manage to structure it. That was probably my biggest challenge is, okay, how do you structure something like Dancing with the Dragon? It's all this energy moving everywhere. How do you separate that out and categorize it and put it into words which tend to be more mental? It was, that was a dance in and of itself. But I did do it. So, so tell us about the dance. Ah, the dance, yes. So the dance is bringing presence to the dragon, the dragon of, let's just say, the lower chakras. Let's, let's place it down in there, the power, the power centers, by tuning into the divine. And the divine is accessed, for me, really, up in the crown and above the crown just by lifting my awareness so one of the metaphors I use in my book is um, that of a, a, a piano keyboard. And most people have at least seen a keyboard. And you know that it goes um, from the lower octaves up to the higher octaves, the low notes to the high notes. And if you were to stand that on end, so you put the low notes at your feet, just imagine like a keyboard, you put the low notes at your feet and you put the high notes uh, at your head, you've got this octave of frequencies that goes up and down your body. And all of these octaves happen inside of ourselves. So the lower, heavier uh, frequencies and emotions and things like that are lower in our body. And the higher, more divine frequencies are up higher and even above the head. So when you're navigating in your inner world, you just Notice where you have your attention. Do you have it low in your body, or can you lift it up and put it high above your head? Calling in the divine, I just lift my attention above my head, above the crown, and just tune in, which means going inside and then calling divine, soul, Archangel Michael, Archangel Gabriel, whoever you're calling, and then they come. Now, Some people may see them and some people may hear them. Some people may just know they're there. I tend to feel the energy and this divine light. I call it a light, even though I more experience it as a frequency, comes down through the crown, down through the center of the body. It's like there is a a passageway, a core 
in the center of the body, which you can see if you've ever looked at the Kabbalah. It's the central pillar, they call it, in the Kabbalah. And it channels or brings the light down. And if you hold, one of the ways I dance with my dragon or create the transmutation is if you bring your awareness to the place inside of you that's hurting or that needs help or that's hurting for me, needs help, and just call Michael or one of the angels or your soul, whatever it is, it doesn't matter really as, as long as you're tuning to the higher worlds and allow it to come down through the channel and touch that. It, it transforms it. It makes it dance. It lifts the energy up. It, the energy begins to dance. It begins to rise. And this is like, I guess, if maybe what they call ascension. Maybe it's what they call you know, uh, higher, you know, lifting your consciousness. It's an energetic experience that I call Dancing with Your Dragon. One of the uh, important pieces that I, I remember reading in the book was you, you talked about discerning between inner space and forms that occupy the space. Yes. And that that is... Um, something that, you know, when I was in my mother's mystery school, she was teaching meditation, and we spent a lot of time working with that. And from a mental perspective, it was difficult for me to understand, well, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? But it's the kind of thing that is experiential. And when you use your dragonometer, you start to become aware of your thoughts. You can start to notice that a thought has a form. It, it is an actual thing that's floating around in inner space. When you're a meditator, you can begin to distinguish between the thought, and then between each thought is a little gap. And, and as you're beginning to develop your ability to tune in through meditation practice, you can start to expand the gap between the thoughts, and that takes you into the space as opposed to the form. So feelings have form, sensations have form, and then there's this emptiness this sort of divine silence that's also full because as soon as you get into it, it's full of aliveness. But there's no thought, there's no feeling, uh, no feeling of the lower chakra. It's so, you know, this is why so many of the masters and things say, well, you can't really put words on it, you know, you can't... (laughs) You know, it's beyond, it's transcendent, and it's uh, and that's that's true. But I like to try, you know, I like to try to describe it. And I don't know, do you are are your experiences similar, Peter? When you when you get into these kinds of uh, transcendent places, do my words ring something? Uh, oh yeah, that and, matches and again, your... you know, because I interview so many people who are on this path and in this place, you all have different ways of describing it, but they're they're all trying to say the same thing. Yeah, and this is this nothingness and everythingness. That, yes, that exactly. Where it's it's a space of nothingness, yet it's full, and and that language seems very odd unless I guess you've actually had the experience anyway. Right, in total sense. Right, and and what I want people to know is that, you know, I couldn't. I, some people say, well, they've known this from the time they were a child and all that. Maybe I don't have memories of when I was a little child. Maybe we all know this from the time we were a little child. But I want to tell you that I suffered for many years. I suffered. And even though I had a magical, mystical mama, and there's a pretty fascinating story in my book about all of that, um, my personal experiences came later in life. And I just want you to know 
listeners that you can arrive there. It didn't just happen. I worked it. You know, I sat, I meditated, I read the books, I looked inside to see the difference between the thoughts. I breathed into the gap. I, I did it because I didn't want to suffer anymore. It was, it was hurting me. I didn't want to hurt anymore. And so, but it gets to the point where it's easier. I don't have to do all of that all the time anymore. Now it's more natural and I can shift in and out almost in a heartbeat. I can shift into the divine space. But when I'm busy at my uh, computer or doing um, something that requires my focus to be very material, then I'm not always there at the same time. I can remember and shift myself there, and I try to include the divine in my life as much as possible. But it is a practice. That's why we call, I call my book, you know, the, um, the dragon, the dance, and the practice. We have exercises that we practice that help us to begin to develop these pathways. And the more you walk a path, the more you know it, the easier it is to go down it. Neural pathways in the brain develop, and you can just go, boop, and you're there. And so I can pretty much boop myself there at will, but I couldn't always. Yes, and so once you get to that point of having done that practice, then, as you say, as you're going about your daily business, you can still just drop into that space if you feel the, the need to for whatever is taking place around you. Yes, exactly. And and I like to call it in as much as pop- possible anyway because it is, I feel, a service to bring in those divine energies as much as possible and just allow them to do what they're doing down here to help heal the planet, to help heal um, the people on the planet, whatever it is that that frequency does just as we move through our daily life. So the more that I remember to call it in, the better I feel. I actually feel the very best when I'm in that frequency. And so if I can just remember more and more often to call it in, then I'm doing a service to myself and to the planet, and, and you know, it's just it's good service work. Sherry, we've kind of got to our final break, and we'll return with Sherry Richards after this. Spit a tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. 
Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Today we are dancing with our dragons with Sherry Richards. And something you said just before the break, Sherry, I want to return to, because you talked about suffering, and I really want uh, our listeners to hear an explanation of, of what suffering actually is and how we can move through that. Yeah. My, my favorite definition of suffering, I think, comes from the Buddhist tradition. And suffering happens when you want something that you can't have, you have something that you don't want, or you don't know what you want. And if you're suffering, you can probably trace it back to one of those three conditions. And the key around suffering is to just allow whatever's happening to be as it is. Now, this was kind of tricky for me. I, um, as I've mentioned earlier, I come from a, a family where my mother was a, became a spiritual teacher. She had a mystery school here in Sedona. I was, I was here first, and then later she moved here and started this school, and I spent about 10 years in it. And I'll just give you a brief bit of my uh, story. She, um, when I was 19, ran off with my boyfriend, and uh, that was very painful for me. And then... After that was over, later she went to India and went on her spiritual journey. And I was left with this big wound that I did years of therapy and searching and seeking and astrology and everything I could find to try to heal. And I'm sure there was more to it than just that. But that was a big piece of it for me. So um, anyway... Eventually, I landed in her school. I learned a lot of techniques in her school that were very, very helpful at helping me heal this wound, even though her uh, apologizing for it or, you know, wanting to even deal with it with me was not on the table at all. She was what I call a not good mother, but a great spiritual teacher. <laughs> and one of the things that um, she used to give me a hard time about was being a doer, because I'm a big doer. I wrote a book, you have to do to write that, even though it came through me, and also desiring. And because she comes from the Eastern tradition, desire was like this dirty word. Don't desire, don't desire. And it was always hard for me to to understand, well, how do you make things happen if you don't desire anything? How do you achieve anything if there is no goal? So it's a, it's kind of a the goal and the, and the journey kind of a, a dichotomy. And so the way I've worked that out for myself is, yeah, you have a goal, I have goals, but I don't uh, focus on trying to make them happen. I see where they are, and then I kind of go on the journey, and I enjoy the journey along the way, which means accepting what is, what's unfolding right now, allowing that to be okay, not pushing myself too hard, uh, finding the feminine and the masculine in balance. The masculine sets the goal. The feminine, you know, kind of goes along the journey. The masculine implants the seed in the womb, and the feminine somehow makes a baby. You know, it happens naturally. So we allow ourselves to just unfold on that journey. And the interesting thing about desire, I also write about this in my book, is when you're full of desire, you're full, and you cannot be... Uh, available to receive what it is you want because you're already too full. So in order to actually receive, you have to be empty, which is why there's so much talk about emptiness in the Eastern traditions. It sounds, it's a weird for the Western mind. It's like, who wants to be empty? You know, that just sounds like, ugh, running on empty, and, you know, it's not something that we think sounds great. We want to be full. But when you're empty, then you can be full. You can be filled. And so 
when your desire is of the divine, I like to desire the, desi- the divine because I orient my desire nature toward the divine above my crown chakra, and then I empty myself, and the divine just fills me up. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> and presumably, so, uh, one of did the, I explain that uh, well enough for you, Peter? Or? Yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. One of the aspects that are important, obviously, in any of these emotional traumas that have taken place in our lives, is forgiveness. Yes, absolutely. And I, I write about that as well in my book. And I, you know, that was that was a hard one for me because I, with my mother, the situation with my mother in particular, I wanted her to apologize, and that was just not something she was going to do. She just wasn't, she didn't see it in her perspective. It, she didn't do anything wrong. And that was what made her such a fascinating person because taboos were sort of beyond her. She's a, just so, she touched so many people's lives and um, such an amazing spiritual being who uh, showed, was a way shower for just hundreds, if not thousands of people. Uh, but she just didn't do that that apology thing so here i am sitting with this big heavy you know angry wound and no apology and no satisfaction and what i finally came to realize is she's not carrying around this big heavy angry wound i'm carrying it around it's in my body it's dragging me down it's keeping my dragon down there locked to the earth plane and not free to dance and so the forgiveness piece yes forgive her but mostly forgive so that I can move on. Forgive so that I can let go. And one of the important keys of forgiveness, and I have this whole technique explained in my book, is you've got to get the anger out. If you just try to go, okay, yeah, I understand. I'm, I'm supposed to forgive. It's a good spiritual thing to do, so okay, I forgive her. Without getting the anger out, it's a little bit of a lie. And the body knows that it's still there. The mind might say, well, I forgave already, but the body is well aware that that is still in there. And so you want to give your, yourself permission to, I say, write it out. Just, just write it out. Let, your say, let yourself say everything. Let yourself uh, be as angry as you want. Use as nasty words as you want. Just get it out however you can. And do that one day and then put it away and then take that paper out the next day and do it more. Get more mad and more mad and more mad and then put it away overnight. And then the next day, even more, just get it, get it until there's nothing else that can possibly be said. And when you get it all out in paper, then take that paper and have a little ceremony out in the forest, maybe by a creek, uh, someplace where it's safe to work with a little fire, bring a metal pan or something, and then just, just burn that paper up. And as you're burning it, just as the smoke lifts up, just see all of that anger dissipating and uh, allowing yourself to let go of it. And it doesn't mean you have to be best friends with the person or, you know, anything. You just want to let all of that go so you can be neutral. If you don't want to be in love with them, just be neutral about them so that you can see them and nothing happens. Like, oh, Sherry, amazingly, we've come to the end of the show. It's, it's gone by very quickly, and I just need to mention that the third part of the book has practical things for us to do, both through a physical, mental, um, spiritual, and emotional bodies. So there are exercises in the third section of the book for us to work with, including some important grounding. But we don't have time to get into that right now. And Sherry, I just want to thank you for joining me for this very fast hour today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. My total pleasure, Peter. Thank you. 
So next week I've got a very interesting time with uh, Doug Knoll, who's going to be talking about elusive peace. He's an international lawyer mediator who has written uh, this book, which really helps us to understand why it's so hard for us to reach peace. And of course, it's very closely connected with Dancing with Your Dragon, because that is the biggest issue for these people who are trying to negotiate peace, is their own dragons are not healed. Yes, (laughs) I would say so. It's quite a neat little uh, segue into next week's show. So thank you all for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week and pay attention to those dragons and dance like crazy. And Sherry, thank you so much again. Thanks, Peter. Okay, thanks so much. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.